You're listening to the Market Leaders Podcast, brought to you by Pipeline Plus. Professional service firms use Pipeline Plus to capture more business from their most important clients, prospects, and referral sources. Pipeline Plus delivers the simplest interface in the marketplace and in-app suggestions on exactly which actions to take to close the next deal. It's used as a standalone app in conjunction with business development coaching or as a CRM companion for more effective sales pipeline management. To learn more or schedule a demo, visit PipelinePlus.com. Hello, and welcome back to the Market Leaders Podcast. I'm David Ackert, and today my guest is Diane Pauletta, who's the Director of Marketing at Philips Neiser. Diane, great to have you with us. Thank you, Dave. Nice to be here. I have known Diane for a long time. Diane and I first met well over a decade ago when we were doing some consulting work for the accounting firm where she was director of marketing at the time. And she has gone on to work with several other accounting firms and now transitioned into legal. Diane, tell us a little bit about that career journey. Yeah, thank you. Um, so, um, Yes, I had been in accounting marketing for about 20 years and did start back in California when you and I met and recently moved over to the law firm sector, uh, working for Phillips Neiser. And, you know, the transition, there's definitely some transition points in terms of getting used to what the services are and understanding what the points of view is from the lawyer perspective. But I will tell you, I've, I've really found that there's a lot of similarities in what accounting marketers and legal marketers do in terms of approaches and tactics, probably more similarities than not. So it, it's been kind of a welcome that's a kind of a welcome change for me to pick that up and to be able to kind of work through the marketing efforts here at Phillips Neiser. Interesting. So pretty similar in terms of approach and strategy. You've been able to apply a lot from accounting to legal. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in terms of uh, some of the tactics, if you will, or some of the strategic approaches, um, you know, I was looking in, at the accounting firm from a practice area perspective, which we define many times as the industry. Um, and then on the legal side, it can be industry or it can be particular service area or area of law. So when I started out here a few months ago, I started to put together some practice group sessions with particular key practice groups like their real estate area, like their IP intellectual property area, and talking about how do we go about marketing for this group? What have you been doing? Uh, what's worked well, that type of thing. And that's a very similar approach that I used in my previous firms with the, in the accounting industry. So that I felt I made me kind of fall right into this in a very comfortable way. Um, the other thing is when it comes to networking and when it comes to looking at referral sources, you know, from the accounting to the law, and I think, you, you know, you know this, when it comes to clients, they have a whole host of advisors in their advisory network and accountants and lawyers are usually part of that network. So the other part of what I'm doing is making introductions between the accounting firms I know and, and Phillips Neiser, which is a very similar thing I did also in the accounting firms. So there's some, there's some real low hanging fruit. Um, areas of marketing that I easily fell into um, and, and have been able to apply here pretty quickly. When you're working with the lawyers at your firm, what are some of the things that you recommend providing uh, tips and when you're doing training with them, what are some of the, the specific directions that you point them to? 
Well, one of the things that when we talk about, when I talk about here, um, doing marketing and doing networking, I, I like them to try to focus on a little bit, not just of other attorneys who could be referral sources, but actually looking at what I call the end user. Somebody who is going to actually purchase your service or has your, your need. Um, and what I'd like to do is, is invite them, if you will, to meet more of those type of people, whether they be, we reach out and try to get in front of, um, you know, end users through marketing efforts, or where you have connections where other people can refer you to some of their uh, colleagues uh, in the same industry, or also just with their clients, you know, asking clients, who else do you know that's like you that I could meet with? Um, I think, uh, and I found here that, you know, like in the accounting industry, they like to market with other CPAs, and here they like to work with other lawyers, and they do get business from other lawyers. But I, I try to advise them to branch out from just meeting with other attorneys. And when you talk about end user, you mean the buyer, you mean the prospective client. Yes, the buyer group could be the head of a, the CEO or CFO of a company. It could be um, a general counsel, somebody, an in-house counsel, to meet more with those types of individuals so that you're, um, and it's a different kind of conversation. If you're meeting with somebody who's going to purchase your service, then you really want to talk about what are their needs? What, what's been happening up until now to, to maybe have you warrant hiring an attorney. And then you also have an opportunity to cross sell or at least talk about the firm's total services um, and really position the firm as someone who could help them in the long term. So I, I think when it comes to networking, particularly, I, I have had conversations with partners about that. And I think it, it you know, makes them think about it. And I think they're very open to it. Have you gotten as far as actually setting targets or quotas? So you say, I want you to meet more end users, more than what? And where are we headed? How do we know that this number of more is enough? Or, uh, you know, is it just more kind of high level? Uh, you're, let's just make more of an effort to meet more end users, right? Kind of more of a cheerleading perspective. And I, 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 don't, I don't mean to be facetious in the question, but I also know that one has to... Um, be sensitive to the culture of the firm that one is in. There may not be as much of a sales-oriented or a metrics-oriented culture at play. There are probably some lawyers that are more open to this notion that a business action will directly influence a business outcome uh, than others. So just curious about your experience there. Yeah, so the conversations that I've been having are things like, you know, look at average fees, um, where are you trying to go with this? You're, you're bringing in maybe smaller accounts. Now you want to bring in larger accounts. And I have certain practices that want to go into a, get into a, a higher fee paying client. And so we take a look at, well, what does that look like? Give me an idea of, of what their needs might be, what type of, how many employees, what's the demographics of the firm itself. So those kind of conversations we are having with certain individuals. Um, I have had the conversation of, hey, let's just try to meet with two CEOs over the next couple of months, making the, you know, the metrics, I don't want to say simple, but making it reachable something that we can accomplish so they can kind of feel good about what they're doing and also help them to actually reach it. So it depends on the group and it certainly depends on the, on the attorney, you know, where I, I would be at in the conversation and how I can really help them. Do you find that in a law firm environment versus an accounting environment, 
that your approach to this has to be a little more careful. And the reason I ask that is that, you know, our company has worked with many different kinds of professional services over the years, as you know. And in my experience, personally, accountants tend to be much more accepting of the notion of, okay, I'm going to take this this marketing action or this strategy or this business development action, and it's going to lead to a result. Whereas many times lawyers bring a healthy degree um, of skepticism. Sometimes it feels like a frustrating degree of skepticism, but I appreciate that that's what's making them good lawyers. When a client wants to try to do something that could be dangerous or, or have liabilities associated with it, a good lawyer will be very quick to say, slow down. Let's think this through. Maybe we don't take this action. Maybe we take some portion of this action, right? And so that mechanism is still at play when they're having conversations with you about business development and marketing. Just curious as to your reflections on that. Yeah, absolutely. When you compare, let's say, accountants or attorneys or even bankers, for that matter, when you compare different types of professionals, they're going to look at things from a different point of view, a different lens. And in that lens with with lawyers, there is a, a certain amount of skepticism. And I have quickly gotten used to that because I'm around it now quite a bit. And I do understand, I try to take every concern or skepticism or any kind of pushback, if you will, gentle pushback, and try to help use it as an opportunity to further educate in terms of what I'm trying to do and how I can help them. And what it ends up happening in many cases, it becomes a collaborative effort. So it's not a, you do this or you do that. It's how can we work together? When I work with partners and, and you know attorneys or um, accountants in general, I always try to look at the strengths of the individual practitioner. What's a comfort level? What can they do now? What are they comfortable with in terms of marketing? Will they do they rather speak? Would they rather be on a panel? Do they want to present? Would they rather write? Networking is it a one-on-one -on -one thing, or do they like a group networking? And the interesting thing is, when you compare accounting and law, it's the same thing. You'll find all of it in both types of firms. And so my starting point may be from a practice perspective, but then I kind of narrow it down, if you will, to individual practitioners to really start to develop some planning. So yeah, I do take in that perspective for sure. I really appreciate you walking us through what that conversation sounds like, because what I hear in what you're saying is that there's a lot of coaching going on. So you'll say, let's do X, and then they may have a consideration. And then you lead with a lot of compelling questions like the ones that you just listed out. And good coaching really resides in the questions, right? We're not just there to advise them on you should do X. That's just a good prompt for a debate with most lawyers. But rather, well, what are you trying to accomplish? And have you considered this? And maybe would you be willing to try that, right? Again, these questions allow them to arrive at, as you say, this place that's comfortable, but also effective for them. So I really appreciate uh, how you're thinking about that. I'm curious, as you are training lawyers on networking, I know that's a topic you brought up earlier, um, how is that evolving in our current environment? How is networking, you know, it used to be a, a pretty um, conventional exercise of just getting out there and getting a name tag on at a cocktail mixer or whatever and and shaking hands and exchanging business cards but even as i describe it you know 1980 flashes into my mind right so it's like we're in a new era how how are you observing the evolution there you know uh, obviously a lot of kind of newer networking if you will is with these social networks and 
LinkedIn being one of them, that's kind of a big area that I know I've worked with partners and, and accountants and attorneys on. And I think the whole idea that we can now network remotely on a Zoom type call or a Teams call, I think that's a game changer in itself. I mean, during the pandemic, of course, when we couldn't go out, it was the only game in town. And I think people got, were accepting of it now. We were used to it. I know one of the um, business developers in my previous firm, rather than initially meet with somebody face-to-face, they might do a Zoom call first to kind of feel the person out, see if this is the right fit, kind of see where, you know, are we going to be able to work together? Do we have the same mindset, if you will? And then take that extra time, which meeting face-to-face, it takes a lot more, more time, then go that route, then meeting everybody face-to-face. And I think that's a, a really um, healthy way of approaching the networking. You, you get to widen your reach because now I can meet with people across the country, across the world. And also you're being more effective because you're not necessarily always running around meeting everybody face-to-face when that might not be necessary initially. So I, I, I like the kind of digital aspect of it. I think LinkedIn also particularly, you've got, I mean, LinkedIn's been around a while now, but I think people are using it much more to expand their network. Um, I know I just taught a, um, a LinkedIn class for the, this firm, for Philip Snyder, and I invited all, actually not just attorneys, I invited everyone in the firm to come to these classes because everybody's a networker in the firm as far as I'm concerned. Everybody can pitch the firm or go out there and meet people on behalf of the firm. And, you know, one of the things that, um, that I was t- telling one of the attorneys about the LinkedIn class is that if you haven't reached out to somebody who you know for a very long time ago, using LinkedIn is an excellent way to reach out to like a colleague from, you know, from many jobs ago or an alumni, somebody you may have worked with a long time ago. It's a great way to reach out and it's a it's kind of a safe environment and you'll most likely get a pretty good response and then you can continue with a more conventional way of reaching out if that's what you feel in the future so i think linkedin gives you that opportunity which before that we really didn't have it's very true technology has become very much integrated into the way that we network both in terms of creating that platform of relationships but also in how we vet introductions, right? Let's do a quick 20-minute Zoom before we actually invest the time to drive across town and sit down and share an email and all of that. And you're right, back in the back in the day, all we had was, okay, well, you can introduce me to somebody. There goes another two hours out of a workday. I've got to go, you know, meet this person and see if there's anything there. The one thing that I am observing for myself, and this is something that we're talking to clients a lot about, is that there, like anything, are pros and cons to every evolution. And while LinkedIn allows us to scale our networking, and that's great. I mean, wow, 500 plus connections, you know, what we, that's, that's a lot of people, right? It also means that we have to be more discerning because our networks actually don't consist of 3,000 people, right? That's, that's the audience almost. Those are the people that are just kind of, at some point, we accepted their LinkedIn connection. We haven't necessarily had any interaction with them since. So there's the platform in my mind. And then there's your network, which is a much smaller group of people. It might be a few, you know, a few hundred at most. But these are the people with whom you actually have a relationship. You've had an interaction. And then there are your targets. 
And that's probably a few dozen, right? And the, that goes back to what you said about who are the two or three CEOs that I'm going to target over the next few months? Those are my prospects. They're on my short list. Uh, and then there's everyone else that's, you know, a few runs out. So uh, I think it's really important. And I know you teach this to your lawyers. You just illustrated it. But as, as we're talking about LinkedIn, I don't want to just step over the fact that it, uh, it causes a problem, even though it's solving for another one. And um, we use the, we learned this from Sam McKenna, the idea of clicking the bell icon on their profile to identify a target, because then you see all of their posts and they get prioritized and it helps kind of cut through all of the, the white noise. So for listeners that are you know struggling with this notion of, I've got so many LinkedIn connections and I don't know how to kind of, you know, get to the, the top 10 or the top 20, that's one of the ways to use digital marketing to stay top of mind and keep those people top of mind for yourself. So we're, we're talking about techniques. Are there other techniques that you found to be particularly effective in professional services firms than any lead gen techniques or marketing techniques that you'd like to share? Yeah, um, actually what we've been doing, again, I'll, I'll talk about my previous experience with the accounting firms. Um, one of the things we, we use email marketing quite a bit and how we enhance that, um, we, I ended up partnering with outside um, service providers. Again, we were the accounting firm, so lawyers, bankers, investment bankers, um, you know, other types of consultants. And we were partnering with them to put together a series of, of email campaigns. They were all webinars to talk about different aspects of a business, business's problems or issues or challenges. And I did that because my goal was I wanted to widen my reach of potential uh, leads. And by uh, working with outside uh, providers, you know, uh, friends of the firm, if you will, they were pushing out these webinars to their clients and contacts. So we did uh, the example that we did in my last firm was an eight part series. It's a webinar series covering a number of things that um, companies need to look for, especially coming out of the COVID situation. And when doing that, we um, ended up garnering, I'm gonna say hundreds of leads that came out of it because we had so many outside providers that were pushing these webinars out to their clients and contacts. And so, you know, one thing I'd like to do here being in a law firm environment is something along those lines, having a way to um, look at a, a program where we can consistently um, outreach to a wider network of potential clients. And I'm actually looking now into partnering with some other outside firms, like for example, my accounting firm, um, some um, other types of boutique law firms that don't do what we do, but we can work with their clients on certain things, and even maybe uh, investment banking firms. So we're looking at a wide range. I'm looking at that now to try and do that here to be able to get, um, a, again, a wider network for, for this firm, for their clients. So your earlier point about how technology is integrated into business development and marketing more than ever, that whole cross-pollination idea may not be so new, but the idea of using technology to make it more efficient and uh, to be able to uh, touch more people with it is certainly a, a smart approach. And I'm sure your firm benefits from your network, which is not so concentrated in just one 
professional services vertical, but rather touches on any of them. Yes, I mean, that's, that's a very good point. I think everybody has a network, whether they realize it or not. And I've been in this business for 20 years. And, you know, my network expands to not just service providers, but to, you know, CEOs and, and CFOs that I've met over time as well. And so I really think that when it comes to networking, you have the LinkedIn, you have the digital aspect, you have the one-on-ones, but you also have the greater network of everybody who you work with. And I think that's the other thing about a LinkedIn or being able to see into somebody's network. If you know who you're looking for, you can tap into your own network to see what their greater network is, if there's somebody who might be appropriate for you and maybe ask for an introduction. I don't know how many times people actually do that. I'm coming the other way. I'm actually offering my network to my firm, but you could also be proactive and ask for it as well. Absolutely. So Diane, as we start to wrap up here, I'm curious, do you have any advice that you would share with our listeners, especially marketers who might be looking to switch from one professional services vertical to another, given that you've had this experience a few times, what would you share? Yeah, actually, there's a really um, kind of low-hanging fruit um, thing that I would that I would suggest, and that is uh, there are associations in each of these sectors that are really helpful in acclimating somebody new to that industry in terms of marketing and resources, just meeting with people. Uh, when I was in the accounting uh, area, I was with the Association for Accounting Marketing for many years, great organization, really kind of my, got my feet wet with them in terms of accounting marketing. And then just recently I had joined the Legal Marketing Association, which has also been, they've been wonderful and they've got a lot of great opportunities to help me just understand Again, from the lawyer's perspective and the legal sector's perspective, learn the industry that you want to get into. Understand what that industry's challenges are. Um, you know, like the accounting profession, for example, their challenge was trying to get accountants. They're just not, not enough accountants are graduating these days. And the ones that are, are going into the corporate world or going into private equity. Um, I would say look at your industry's pain points and understand so that you can speak to them and know how you can address them with your marketing efforts. And then the other thing is I would learn about their kind of their terminology a little bit. I'll give you one example. When um, in the accounting world, uh, my title was marketing, wasn't the business development title. However, a lot of the work that I did was, was called or is called business development in the legal world. So by not having the business development title, Without knowing my, my background, I wasn't deemed to be able to do some of the things that the lawyers wanted from a business developer, even though I did do them as, as a marketer in the accounting world. So I would make sure that you understand the terminology for the other industry and, and be able to speak to exactly what you've done in their terms. I think that's really important. That's a great, great point. And the other one you made earlier that I just want to bring back is that there isn't that much of a difference from one professional services vertical to another. They all struggle with the doer-seller conundrum, which is that you've got people whose full-time job and prior, primary focus is doing the work, not selling the work. And you can't sell it for them in most instances. So a lot of the job ends up being lead generation through marketing and business development through coaching. 
and so uh, those certainly apply from vertical to vertical once you understand, as you said, the pain points and nuances uh, that are distinct to each vertical. So thanks for sharing all of that with us, Diane, and, and for sharing your, your thoughts and your journey with us. It's really great to reconnect with you here and uh, and I'm delighted to be able to share some of your experiences with our audience today. Well, thank you, David. I appreciate it. I enjoyed it myself. Today's episode was brought to you by Pipeline Plus. We solve business development problems for professionals around the world. Visit PipelinePlus.com to learn more about our technology and coaching solutions.